Welcome to Bookish, a literary podcast. I'm Paul, and in today's episode, we'll explore an often overlooked character in fiction, the sidekick. may not be what you expect. First, a housekeeping note. My goal is to publish episodes regularly, with my target being Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. However, since it's already Monday, this one may come out on a Tuesday. Goals are fluid things, as I'm sure you understand. On with the podcast. When I first chose this topic, my intention was to highlight sidekicks in detective fiction, because that really is where they're most common. What I found as I started my research was that I'd stumbled onto enough information for a doctoral thesis. Also, I'll admit at the start that I may run down a few rabbit trails, but then I run down rabbit trails talking about the weather. I also need to start with a disclaimer. The word sidekick is a huge disservice to most of the characters we'll talk about today. When people hear the word sidekick, they immediately think of characters like Barney Fife, Tonto, or Robin. As often as not, this kind of trusty sidekick needs saving themselves before all is said and done. Robin, for example, simply brings nothing to the table and is as much of a hindrance to Batman as a help. Batman's true sidekick is his butler, Alfred. According to the 21st century font of all knowledge, Wikipedia, sidekicks in literature have several functions. Comic relief, providing a skill set that the hero does not possess, or simply giving the main character someone to talk to. This last point is more important than it seems, because it then gives the author the opportunity to provide exposition without simply having the hero talk to himself. In this way, the sidekick performs the same role as the chorus in ancient Greek drama. Obviously, there are universally known sidekicks in classic literature. Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer, Yes, he eventually had his own novel, but he started as a sidekick. Sancho Panza and Don Quixote, Samwise Gamgee and The Lord of the Rings, even Piglet from the Pooh books. One of the most memorable pair of sidekicks ever created is Hermione Granger and Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter books. Without them, Harry would have never made it past all the obstacles he faced, and he probably wouldn't have ever accomplished anything if Hermione hadn't spent so much time in the library first rabbit trail warning. As you probably know from a previous podcast, the Harry Potter books are among my favorites, which may seem a little bit odd for a man of my age, but they are magical. And if you've never read them, you should. I ultimately tried them because of my kids, but over three years and four different attempts, I couldn't get through chapter one of the first book. Then one day I determined to push through and see what all the fuss was about. I made it to chapter two, and the dam burst. I read from chapter 2 to the end of book 7, 4,000 pages, in the next six weeks. Okay, back to the sidekicks. While any number of them, like Ron and Hermione, have become deservedly as famous as their hero counterpart, perhaps none is more ingrained in our consciousness than Dr. Watson. Watson was quite simply crucial to Holmes' success, both in the fictional tales and in the real-world success of the stories. First and foremost, he was Holmes' biographer. 
It's from him that we learn all we know about Holmes' exploits. He was, in many cases, the man of action in the partnership, the brawn to Holmes' brain. And most importantly for the reader, when Holmes patiently explains how he comes to solve a particular case to Watson, he's also explaining it to us. One of my favorite sidekicks comes from the mind of author Carlos Ruiz Safan. It's Fermin Romero de Torres, from The Shadow of the Wind. Fermin is a larger-than-life character who simply takes over every scene he's in. He's critical to the story because he provides a worldliness the main character, Daniel, being still quite young, lacks. Fermin was apparently special to the author as well. Safan made him into the main character in the third book, The Prisoner of Heaven. Some sidekicks, like Fermin and Huck Finn, just refuse to stay in the background. Now, typically, the hero and the sidekick are the same sex. This helps prevent the dreaded sexual tension, will they or won't they scenario, that while compelling at first, can derail a partnership and a storyline as soon as they do. For those of you who remember the Moonlighting series, David Addison and Maddie Hayes were a perfect example of this. However, there have been very successful exceptions. The first that comes to mind is Nora Charles from Dashiell Hammett's The Thin Man. Certainly, the will they or won't they issue doesn't come up since Nick and Nora are already married. That aside, Nora is key in both urging a reluctant, comfortably retired Nick to take on the case and in the humor of their sarcastic, often drunken conversations provide. Here's an example. Men came in and dragged us apart. It took us five minutes to bring Nora to. She sat up holding her cheek and looked around the room until she saw Morelli, nippers on one wrist, standing between two detectives. Morelli's face was a mess. The coppers had worked him over a little just for the fun of it. Nora glared at me. You damn fool, she said. You didn't have to knock me cold. I knew you'd take him, but I wanted to see it. One of the coppers laughed. Jesus, he said admiringly. There's a woman with hair on her chest. Rabbit trail warning number two. Was there ever a better casting job for a book adapted to film than William Powell and Myrna Loy as Nick and Nora Charles? Now, I said earlier that typically the hero and the sidekick are the same sex. There are several successful instances, besides Nick and Nora, where the hero and the sidekick aren't even the same species. A few examples are Penelope McClure and Jack Shepard in the Haunted Bookshop mystery series, Jack's the Ghost of a Dead P.I. Thursday Next and Spike Stoker in Jasper Ford's Thursday Next series, Spike is a Semi-Vampire. And Temple Bar and Midnight Louie in Carol Nelson Douglas's Midnight Louie mystery series. Midnight Louie's a cat. And who's the hero and who's the sidekick here is pretty much open to debate. Another successful case of mixed-gender hero-sidekick pairing is Janet Ivanovich's Stephanie Plum and Ricardo Carlos Manoso, better known as Ranger. Ranger would bristle at the notion that he's anyone's sidekick, but he is secondary, even though he brings a set of skills Stephanie certainly lacks. It's also the rare case where the sexual tension actually adds to the storyline. In Stephanie Plum's case, her true sidekick is actually Lula, the very large, very loud, very African-American, very streetwise counter 
to Stephanie's small, conservative, Italian-Hungarian-American bounty hunter. Lula sometimes needs rescuing herself, maybe more than sometimes, but she pulls her considerable weight in the relationship. Anytime I talk about Ranger, it naturally leads to my all-time favorite sidekick. Who would pummel me for using the term? Hawk from Robert B. Parker's Spencer series. They share many attributes, from being lethal in a fight to being the epitome of cool. Ranger's a dreamy Latino, while Hawk is a self-described ebony god. I once posted an online poll asking which of these two sidekicks was hotter. Ranger won in a landslide, which bothered me more than it probably should have. Much more than just being a sidekick, however, Hawk serves as Spencer's dark side, pun intended. They're more alike than most hero-sidekick combos, and probably more alike than they'd like to admit. Early on in their friendship, in the novel Promised Land, Hawk explains to Spencer's girlfriend, Susan Silverman, why he chose not to accept a contract from his mobster boss to kill Spencer. Me and your old man there are a lot alike. I told you that already. There ain't all that many of us left, guys like old Spencer and me. He was gone, there'd be one less. I'd have missed him, and I owed him one from this morning. Hawk serves another important purpose besides just being Spencer's friend and backup. He enables Robert Parker to advance the story by having Hawk do things that need to be done for the narrative to proceed, but that Spencer cannot do because of the moral code Parker has constructed for him. Hawk has a code as well. It simply lacks the inconvenient restrictions that Spencer's contain. But maybe the best part for the reader is their constant back and forth dialogue. Here's another example. I pulled the MG in beside Hawk at the curb and he got in. This thing ain't big enough for either one of us, he said. When you're getting something that fits. It goes with my preppy look, I said. You get one of these, they let you drive around the North Shore, watch polo, anything you want. I let the clutch in and turned right on Dartmouth. How you get laid in one of these, Hawk asked. You just don't understand preppy, I said. I know, it's not your fault. I realize that. But if you're preppy, you don't get laid in a car. Where do you get laid if you're preppy? I sniffed. One doesn't, I said. Preppy's going to be outnumbered in a while, Hawk said. I've touched on only a small number of sidekicks in this podcast. This is longer than I ever realized when I started. From Nero Wolfe and Archie Goodwin to Perry Mason and Paul Drake, from Pendergast and Vincent D'Agosta in the Douglas Preston Lincoln Child books, to Elvis Cole and Joe Pike, fiction, and especially mystery fiction, is filled with memorable teams. The so-called sidekicks are literally as indispensable as their hero counterparts. If you don't think so, just ask them. listening to today's episode of Bookish. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to keep episodes like this coming, I'd also like you to consider supporting us by clicking the support this podcast link on the anchor site. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can keep episodes like this coming and also help us get to the point where we're completely ad-free. Thanks again.